Hi, Jordan Lane. Hello, my friend. How are you, Robbie McDonald? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm, um, I'm good. You know, I slept in because yeah. I couldn't get to sleep last night. Um, and then when I finally did, I just fell off the planet. Um, <laughs> and so my plan to go for a big, long walk before we met was uh, that, that didn't happen. Thwarted. So I ended up sitting on my little balcony oasis and having my coffee there. So I still got to be outside. So that nice. started my day off in a good way. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Um, get a little bit of sun this morning before it gets too hot. It's supposed to be something like 32, I think, today, uh, which is quite hot for Calgary. Um, so, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, but, um, yeah, so, so I got a little bit of outdoors time. Um, and then, yeah, started kind of uh, sitting down and putting together this list. I love this. And I love this whole idea of hyper-focusing on positive things and um, accomplishments. And I was thinking about it a lot last night when you brought up this idea mm-hmm. of sharing some of the things that we've each done. Um, and, and I was telling Osvaldo about it and he was like, yeah, you, you don't, you don't ever really toot your own horn. You don't ever talk about some of these things that you've done and you forget. And I think that does feel like a bit of a trait with ADHD is that we, we get caught up in the negative spirals of, um, whatever the most recent experience we've had creatively or professionally, and then forget to think about all the other groovy things that we've done. Yep. So it's such an amazing idea. I love that you came up with this. Well, um, I can't fully take credit for it. I have to give credit inspiration-wise to our friend Ryan Walter Wagner. Um, ah. So Ryan, uh, if you for the listeners, and Robbie, I'm not sure if you know, he has been doing a photography podcast called What's Good uh, with his business Good Side Photo. Um, and yeah, and it's basically aimed at helping um, both professionals uh, deal with aspects of their business or their hobby or whatever photography is to them. But a lot of it mm-hmm. is also aimed at people who are relatively new. Um, and, and part of what I like about it is that it is a good mix of actual photography talk and then just kind of general creativity talk. Um, mm. So he did a couple of episodes, uh, one about personal projects and one about uh, persistence earlier this month or last month, I guess now. Um, mm. And and yeah, and, and those really kind of gave me a lot to think about. And then I was kind of thinking about the show. Um, and uh, we do obviously like try to be positive and talk about this stuff, but also so much of this is, is talking about our own negative experiences. And mm-hmm. so something I'm trying to kind of do for myself right now is cultivate structures and routines that um, somehow give myself like positive reinforcement or our self-esteem building. The same way that I schedule in time to work out, um, you know, I should be scheduling in time to just like think about the positive things I bring to the world, think about Mm -hmm. the relationships I have with people who are important in my life and do, you know, just really basic kind of gratitude work. And um, that... I'm not I'm not as reluctant to do that stuff as I was. Um, that has always felt a little bit cringy, but I think part of that mm. is because putting yourself out there feels cringy as an ADHD person because <laughs> we're so used to dealing with rejection. So we don't necessarily associate that with um, uh, positive feedback, shall we say? Um, <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, and, and that's so that's something I was thinking about when I was listening to Ryan talk about this. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so so I wanted to, because another thing I was thinking about was you mentioning that 
quote, you've written three fucking books, but you never talk about that shit. And yeah. And I was like, that was your exact quote, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. And I was, and I was thinking about that in my own life and I was like, you know, I've, I've done a lot too. And, and all the stuff mm-hmm. that I've done in music and the stuff that I've done in, in the performing arts and, um, the writing that I've done, uh, that kind of thing, just because I don't necessarily actively do it doesn't mean, um, doesn't mean it's invalidated or, or doesn't mm-hmm. take that away. And just kind of, that was one of the thoughts I was having as I was making coffee here was just like nothing, nothing as I, I, I'd, I'd made up my list here and I was really kind of having a moment that was like, nothing can take any of this stuff away. I'm Robbie McDonald. And I'm Jordan Lane. We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife. Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. Like, even if a fucking EMP hits the city tomorrow and wipes out every recording of this music that I made, it still still existed, it still mattered to people at a point in history, all this kind of stuff. Um, yes. and, and yeah, and, and really kind of like, really, that, that really felt good to just like, you know, even, even if I feel like I haven't been doing anything lately, which is also a lie is what I figured out putting together this list. <laughs> um, but, but even if I haven't done something in a specific sphere, like say on the mm-hmm. writing front, I haven't, I haven't written a newsletter in a while. I forgot to add my newsletter to the list. <laughs> I did like two dozen of those. <laughs> I haven't written a newsletter in a while. Um, mm-hmm. but I did. And I haven't, you know, done uh, an interview for a music publication in a while, but I did those mm-hmm. things like, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and, and, and even if I don't do it anymore, I did it and, and nothing can take that away. And that's, that's an accomplishment. That's something to be proud of. So. Absolutely. You know, th- this is what I love so much about this. And my friend Holly used to remind me of these things all the time, that when you do something creatively, and it's out there in the world, however that exists and however that looks, no one can take it from you. You've done it. You've done the work. You've, you've put the words on the page. You've, you've recorded the podcast. You've done the photography. You've made the film. And once that's done, there is nothing there. Even if it gets erased from every single hard drive and backup because that's happened to me. Oh, my goodness. ADHD time, like at least twice in a major way where I've lost a lot of accomplishments that I had that I didn't have backed up, like whether it was a computer blowing up or whatever it was. I remember once actually in Calgary, this is a funny story. It was like dead of winter. Um, It was the house that I lived at on New Street uh, with some wonderful roommates. I love that place. Um, But it was really dry in the winter and I had this humidifier going. Mm. And there were pipes like <laughs> there's pipes like all the way up around the top of the room. And I had my Mac at the time on my little desk open, of course, because I fell asleep, God knows, reading whatever <laughs> at the time I had Facebook. Um, and then I woke up in the morning and all the condensation from the humidifier had pooled in this one part of the pipes and just like 
rinsed the laptop in water. I woke up and it was covered in water and it was fucked. Like, and I lost everything on that laptop, including like two years worth of photography because I hadn't been backing it up. I was just um, going to say, and as a good ADHD, you've been dismissing the, your hard drive is full message for about 18 months. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 This, oh, scratch just are full. Whatever. I'll just keep going here. Um, and I remember at the time, like I said, I still had Facebook and I was absolutely devastated and I posted something on there about like just losing everything. And I was also really struggling financially at that time. I was freelance. I didn't have a lot of money. And, and I remember, um, I'm trying to remember his name. I can see his face and I apologize. Um, but he was really involved with Burning Man. I remember Mm. that. And he was a really big Twitter user and he was really supportive in the arts community in Calgary. I mean, he hit me up on the private and he said, I have a laptop for you. Mm, Awesome. And it was a PC, but it was basically brand new, worked like a charm. And I used that thing for the next like three years until I could afford to buy a new laptop. Um, But that was amazing. Like that, that's that feeling of community and somebody supporting my work, like realizing that yes, what I do has value. And I might not, I didn't have the means at that time to be able to replace my stuff. I do back up the shit out of everything now, but I don't always remember, you know? Um, but yeah, the, um, the things that we've done, even though that all happened, you know, like, even though I was able to do those projects and, and, I still had that experience, even though I might not have a digital file of it, like you were saying. Yeah. I still was able to do those things. I still um, sat in rooms uh, with people, w- went for walks with people who changed me in a positive way. Like their their approach to life, their perspective, their creativity, whatever it was, they had some kind of effect on me that I still carry with me. And like I said, like what Holly always reminds me, and I'm going to be talking to her later today, is that no one can take that from you. And I just love that. And I actually have a bit of goosebumps just thinking about that whole concept. I'm getting really emotional. Yeah. When I was, when I was thinking about it earlier and talking about it now. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's easy to dismiss it, you know, pictures or it didn't happen, you know, like, yes, it did happen. Like before our digital world, people had experiences all the time that they didn't share with 500,000 followers. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking in, in particular of like things that did happen, but maybe not at the scale that you'd hoped for or planned, but it doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that you didn't accomplish that. Like I'm thinking of, um, mm. I booked a show on a Tuesday night, um, at the Palomino, which doesn't normally oh, do music on a Tuesday the Palomino. night. Palomino, um, oh, my heart. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> there was some friends who were touring in from out of town and I was like, you know, what do we need to cover money for them and pay the sound guy and like uh so so we rented the space and i think there was a total of like 16 paid covers that night um mm. like it was everybody it else was, was on the guest list no 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 it just it was just nobody was there because it was a tuesday mm. night and nobody they, they don't have shows there on a tuesday night so people aren't expecting this and you know mm. like it's it's pretty fringe music so there's a certain very dedicated local crowd which was who showed up but that was it um, yeah. so, so, you know, we played a pretty much an empty room and so did these people, uh, my friends, um, but you know, they still got 
the money, we still paid the sound guy, and I got to feel like a fucking, the, the cool guy at the bar by <laughs> being able to literally buy the entire house a round of shots. Um, nice. Which, you know, under any other circumstances would be financially unfeasible. But, you know, so I was out like a few hundred bucks lost on the show, but I accepted that as a, a possibility going in because that's, that's fucking, mm -hmm. you know, experimental music for you. Um, but, uh, uh, but it was still a very, very fun night and the people who came really enjoyed themselves and the artists had mm. fun performing. And that's, even if that's on paper, a failure, it was still a success. It was a fun night. Absolutely. Right. And you'll always have the memory of it. Absolutely. Well, depending on your executive functioning that day is parts of the memory of it. Um, but you know, that, that does remind me of this, right? Like when we talk about like our neural pathways and like how, how certain neural pathways based on our, um, on our evolutionary, um, uh, makeup, uh, have been kind of prioritized. So we do tend to focus on the negative because yep. just as a species, that's more or less what kept us alive. Um, and now that we're more or less like running away from paper tigers that aren't even real, it's still the negative aspects can still totally uh, blot out yep. any of the positives. So that's why I think it is so important to try to focus on, on the more positive aspects of things and try to like bring up those nice juicy memories. Like that mm -hmm. must've felt amazing. I still remember the Palomino and like that bar in the middle and everybody kind of being around and looking across at each other. And there was something really amazing about that room. I really loved it. So I had this image of you like, Hey everybody shots on me, you know, just like, let's all get our Jaeger on or whatever. Yeah. And that must've felt so good, you know? Oh yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Mm hmm. I mean, now, you know, we're, living sober lifestyles and that kind of thing might not be as much of a motivator, but just, you know, being, being with friends and, and, and having that kind of connection is, uh, yeah. it's priceless. You know, you can't, you can't put a price tag on that. Yeah. Um, um, but the, yeah, go ahead. No. So, so speaking of which I just, while, while we're on that, it is the first of June today, which means that as of today, I'm 10 months sober. So fantastic. I'm, yeah, Jordan, I'm, really, I'm actually really proud of myself. So congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously been a struggle. Um, and I've maybe been coping in other ways that still aren't healthy. Uh, mm. hello, rainbow chips. Ahoy. What's up my friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was a rainbow chips. Ahoy. Thanks for letting oh, me gosh, know. <laughs> they're, they're so waxy and awful. It's just, it's just dog shit, but it's, you know, mm. it, it, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, uh, I'm really I'm really happy about that. And that's actually something mm. I've been thinking about lately is when things kind of, quote, return to normal, what is my relationship with bars going to be like? Because that mm. is so much of the social socialization after um, improv performances, playing in a band. Um, oftentimes, mm. you know, liquor licensed venues are interchangeable with arts venue as a concept really um yeah. and that's that's you know i have friends who are living sober and come out to these functions and just drink you know a, a cranberry soda or whatever um mm -hmm. but you know I, I just i just wonder what my own relationship with those spaces and those kinds of um socialization functions of uh alcohol uh what that's going to look like for me um because i really mm. haven't had to think about it um there yeah. hasn't been the social pressure and there hasn't been the kind of um i guess sense of camaraderie that does uh come with those with those experiences um so it'll be interesting to kind of figure out how to cultivate those strategies for um yeah i, I guess like socializing in those spaces while still um 
setting boundaries for myself around that yeah. stuff. I will say that um, back in the day, um, and even, you know, when I first moved to Vancouver, whenever I would be trying to work on something big, I would, I would generally just not drink because it just, I was too scared of what a hangover would do to me. Right. Um, and those were actually some of my fonder experiences, even though it is kind of awkward as ass at first, because, um, one of the things that I used to remember in Calgary is that when people are drinking, they kind of want you to join them in Absolutely. that and they get a little weirded out when you don't. Um, but over time, people just kind of get cool with it. That was my experience, you know, in my early 30s when I um, spent a year not drinking. Um, and, you know, there would be that tug, come on, shots of Jaeger at the ship uh-huh. or wherever, right? Um, and I don't know why I always say Jaeger. I guess that's just like my last memory of it. But <laughs> um yeah, and eventually people would just kind of stop and like they would just kind of be cool and maybe say like, uh, how you doing? You know, like and actually have a conversation with you, but it would always get a little weird. Um, so I guess that's just my way of saying like, I, I think you'll probably enjoy yourself regardless, right? Yeah, because I think Because so you're too. such a social person, like you're going to be so stoked to just be seeing people and they're going to be so stoked to see you that the drinking part of it will just kind of be in the background. Yes. I, th- I think that's uh, the way I see it. I did. Did I read that stampede's happening? Am I right about that? Oh my god! I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yes, we're gonna have a fucking one. Sh- uh, oh. I'm sorry, Jordan. I'm bringing up something negative. No, that I didn't it's, mean to. it's that's okay. Like, but yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't think it's a great uh, exercise of judgment on anyone's part. So mm. yeah. Um, what I did see on Twitter is that you know a lot of people are just going to stay away in droves just to keep themselves and their families and loved ones safe, but. Um, at the same time, like, you know, having lived in Calgary for as long as I did for 20 years, writing that book about Calgary, the Calgary mm-hmm. book of everything, understanding how central that event is to the the financial well-being of the city and some would call it culture, but, you know, that's questionable. It's more like elite socialization. Um, it is the social, It's a, it brings the city, even though I had a complicated relationship with the Stampede and I would usually roll my eyes as you just did. Um, it does bring people together, right? Like, and you know, like all the big parties. And I wrote a story for Avenue magazine about the stampede way back when in like 2006, maybe I want to say. Um, and you know, those, those big breakfasts and the parties and you Mm -hmm. know, whatever, what happens to stampede stays a stampede and all that garbage. Um, it did genuinely like sometimes it would raise money for charity. Sometimes it would, it would be a time for people to connect that didn't see each other all year. So I get that. Um, I just think it is a bit reckless this year, given the global pandemic and all the loss of life that yep. people have had to, uh, to do that. Um, but yeah, when I, when I think about this stampede and think about, you know, my years as a waitress and a bartender, like those were usually the best (laughs) money I made all year. Right. Um, that kept me through like the leaner months of winter. So I get certainly for, for folks that work in restaurants that it could be, um, uh, it must've been hard last year not to have that must've been financially. Um, so, um, but yeah, I'll I'll be okay if I never wear a cowboy hat again, but, um, (laughs) You know, over time, I just kind of got used to it. It was yeah, just like, totally. this is the look I'm sporting in July, put on the hat. and the. I mean, I, I always wore cowboy boots, like, so that was never, I did that in Ontario before I moved to Calgary, so that was no big deal. But yeah, yeah the, just the, the city kind of coming to life that way is, uh, is something that I did, I did enjoy. Um, well, I didn't like, yeah. 
it, it's interesting too because um there's 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 the impact on the the uh kind of weight staff um i had a friend who played minor hockey and he would bartend at uh what do you call it one of the fucking big ones um mm. the one at the tent i can't remember right now not cowboys maybe it's cowboys anyway cowboys had a big tent they had a yeah let, let, let's say it's cowboys um so he he would bartend during stampede week and like minor hockey when you when you work out the numbers you're being paid less than minimum wage that's true of a lot of minor league sports um mm. and this was like but really he just had to work that and then do like a little bit of landscaping or construction through august and then that would kind of be his money for the year because he could clear you know like like low five figures during stampede week conceivably yeah. like which is fucking crazy um yeah and on another front um i have friends so i played in a country band for a little bit and did this a bit of stampede breakfasts and things like that and mm -hmm. people who play things like the banjo or the pedal steel often literally 60 percent of their yearly income was made yeah. during stampede week because that's like mm -hmm literally the sole busy time for someone who could play the fucking pedal steel. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then something else I, I just kind of picked up on there was when you were talking about why is it always Jaeger in your head? And mm -hmm. I think it's because Jaeger was in your hand. Like that was that was your shot. And I was specifically mm -hmm. have just remembered right now something that I totally, like literally probably blacked out on. Um, mm. But your housewarming when you moved into the orange lofts and uh, <laughs> oh somebody had brought God. one of those ice Jagger machines <laughs> and I took so many shots of Jagger that here, here are the three things that happened that night that is like, this is among the most disastrous things for me. I lit myself on fire at your apartment because there was a candle burning in those recessed alcoves in the wall and I didn't notice it and I leaned oh on it God. and then my hoodie started smoking. I uh, drank so much Jagger that I did a fucking drop kick in your kitchen in my socks and landed on my elbow so hard that it, it must have swollen up to like three times its size. And oh when my I was God. and then when I was taking the train home that night uh, for the I think first and last time, but I'm not quite sure. I had to get off halfway to throw up at a station and then like <gasps> like like in the parking lot and then like get back on the train and resume my oh train my ride. Oh my god, you never told me about that part. A, a I fucking do. total oh disaster of a night. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I have like one of the memories I do have actually of that night is you falling down and feeling like, oh my God, brush concrete floors. Holy shit, that's gotta be painful. Because it was, it was like pretty painful. I, that, that apartment is funny because it's 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 a place I thought I would be really happy and I was friggin' miserable there. But um mm. yeah, that the Jagger machine. Who's that guy? Mike Michael something, something or other. yeah. Yeah, uh, he. It's interesting when I think back on that. Is this that was such an odd friendship for me to have because our <laughs> our our values just were not aligned whatsoever, and just like, but I guess because it was more of like around partying. Like the guy had a Jagger machine. Who has a freaking Jagger machine? That guy did. And so you know, having like it was a housewarming. I think that was around the time of my fortieth birthday too. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I was like hopping back and forth to New York and doing all that stuff. And it was party, party, party all the yeah. time. Um, and yeah, my, I think, think back on my poor liver at that time in my life. But I do remember like, <laughs> kind of the day after that sort of waking up and the, and just smelling 
booze like in my apartment and just like oh this is not how I want to be living and then the the dark existential despair uh, <laughs> crept in not long after that <laughs> that's existential hangovers but yeah th- that's a really good point Jordan is around that time in my life I was because to me it was like cough syrup I was like it's healthy <laughs> you know it's, it's a, don't the Germans herbs. drink it right it's an herb right like that's how I thought of it it's like oh you're not feeling well have a shot of Jaeger right um and I can actually taste it now just thinking about that but um I haven't you know of course gone near that stuff in a while and in terms of my own sort of uh sobriety if you will I think it's been it's been around six months for me since I've had anything um I'm not doing kind of like active substance recovery work although I have in the past um for me right now it's just been like when I just when I discovered the ADHD in November, it just became so clear to me that I would just need to give myself the best chance um, at really understanding it. And to me, that happens when I'm not drinking. I'm just more clear in thought and um, and the medications too, a lot of yes. them, they don't, they don't go well with alcohol. So it's just better to not for me. Um, and, I, and I don't place a lot of um, a stress on myself by saying I need to to do it a certain way. I'm just saying like, mm-hmm. t- to myself, like, how can I, how can I set myself up for success and, and, and a kind of a spiritual recovery, um, from what I've kind of gone through in my life and in my creative, my professional life. Uh, and I, I really feel like this year has been a lot of that, especially the last six months. I just feel like I've been recovering myself. Do you feel that way at all? Like oh, you're just recovering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a really, I went for a walk and had a long conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. Um, and, and yeah, and that was a big part of kind of, of it, it, it's kind of a conversation that extends from the one we had on the last full length episode um, about mm. just, yeah, just kind of just trying to figure out, figure out who I am, what motivates me, what's going to make me happy, what's going to keep me healthy and what I, what I can do to control those things and, and try and mm. kind of keep on top of that stuff. If I recognize that, like you said, um, if, if I recognize that being sober is going to have help me help give me the best chance of living my best life. Now that I understand my brain function a little bit better, building mm. these structures and keeping these routines as best as I'm able is also going to do that. But yeah. I also need to recognize that like, there's this third component to the Trinity, which is giving myself the grace to recognize that like, Sometimes, sometimes these things don't happen. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you have a bad few days. Sometimes you don't have the energy to do, you know, that kind of baseline maintenance and that's fine. It just yeah. means that your baseline's a little bit lower that day and it's just about kind of getting through it. So yeah, we, we don't really pat ourselves on the back too much as ADHD people, do we, Robbie? Oh my goodness. No, I am so bad at extolling my own strengths. Um, and I don't want to say virtues cause I don't consider myself a very virtuous person. Um, but, but yeah, uh, even just when I was going through interviewing processes last year, I really had to be coached on how to like tell my stories mm. in a winning way, you know, um, because I'm, I forget, I forget the things I've done. I forget, um, the projects that I've, that I've created that have brought people together. And, and I was saying uh, to my partner last night, like, because I live in this like now and not right now, like if I'm in a crappy headspace, I'm not going to remember that um, I completely block out the, you know, the project that, that I may have done even recently. Like it just won't, it won't even occur to me. Mm -hmm. 
to congratulate myself for a job well done. Shiny gold stars are not in my back pocket. But yeah, that's that's something that I've been thinking about lately, and especially because of the conversations on uh, episode 16, um, is, mm-hmm. is about, you know, seeking seeking validation from myself, not not relying on external sources to make me feel good about myself, but also mm-hmm. um, really keeping a tight handle on the sources of external validation that I do have, where, you know, uh, again, this may have been 10, 15, 20 years ago in some cases, but something mm-hmm. I did mattered to people at that time and continues to matter to some people now. And that's really cool. And nothing can take that away. Yeah, absolutely. Like we were saying that mm-hmm. it, it is when you've, when you've put something into the world, even if you just put it onto a document that no one else sees but your sister, it's still valid, mm-hmm. right? It is still something that you've created that has meaning for you and possibly meaning for others. Yeah, so uh, having having that system. So have you thought about what that looks like for you to kind of build? You said you wanted to build a reminder into your kind of routine mm-hmm. of almost like a a shiny gold star yourself. Absolutely. And that, that is, that that is like? well, that is something I have thought about. And I want to pitch a system to try out for you, for me, for our listeners for the next little bit. So I kind of wanted to save that to the end. I kind of wanted to talk okay. about... Uh, our, our sort of creative resumes, so to speak, first. Um, and, and, then, and then I'll segue that into this um, kind of positivity reinforcement slash creativity spark idea that I had. Oh, that's very intriguing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I was telling you in my text message that I've just kind of, I just moved my uh, website from WordPress over to Squarespace and I want it to be my, my juicy creative fun stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to the you know, what it looked like before. I don't want to go into that, but I literally just posted it yesterday. I made it live, but there's hardly any content on it because I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. So this is so great. It was so serendipitous that you brought this up, you know, to start talking about the things that we've done. Yeah. So on the subject of the things that we've done, the first thing I think that is interesting to kind of talk about or think about is I'm mm-hmm. curious about what are all the different sort of media that you've uh, created in what sort of like um, mm-hmm. uh, performances maybe have you been involved in collaborations have you done all that kind of stuff oh goodness okay so after you sent me that text last night I, I sat down and I wrote you can see here oh wow um, a bunch of them um, so uh, I'll just sort of quickly go over some of them. And you may remember some of these yeah. from the Calgary days too. So um, I wrote a best-selling book about Calgary called The Calgary Book of Everything and um, was interviewed like all over the media for that. And I do have one one memory of being interviewed by Dave Kelly on, on what was now, it was then called Breakfast Television. Um, and I remember being so nervous and it was so cold in that studio. And I remember I was wearing an iStock photo shirt because I was trying to be on brand or whatever. <laughs> Um, and (laughs) I remember telling him, you know, let's get gussied up and go to the palace or something like that. And he was being really flirty with me, Uh but I didn't pick it up. I didn't pick up on it. And I was kind of being like, cause I was so nervous and it was so early in the morning. Um, and he asked me who I wrote the book for, which should have been like the people of Calgary. But I said like (laughs) the publishers (laughs) because he hired me to write it. Right. So it was like, and I was so embarrassed after I saw that, but um, that's also a very ADHD answer though, is like the the direct (laughs) logical, obvious answer. Uh, well, that's who paid me. (laughs) A Nova Scotia publisher who was, you know, he was doing those across Canada. Right. And what was really, um, 
But I should have, this is actually me trying to toot my own horn, horn, horn good. here. And speaking of which, t- I'm going to insert, I think, some air horns in post after we brag about things. Good. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So at the time that I was kind of starting to wrap up the Calgary book of everything, um, I had been freelancing pretty successfully for a couple of years. And that was literally in the same week um, that publisher asked me if I would write the books across Canada. Mm. Um, and he wanted to bring, kind of bring me on sort of full-time writer, editor. That same week, I was sitting down uh, with Ian Chicklow from Fast Forward Magazine, and he wanted me to be the Arts Guide editor for all of them that were going to be coming yeah. out throughout the year. They would do them quarterly. I had done one already, the first one. And then I got offered a job at iStock Photo. That was all in the same week. And I was literally sitting in a coffee shop with Ian Chicklow when I got the call for iStock Photo. And it was like, ah, everybody wants a piece of me, but yay, this is really exciting. And and I ended up choosing um, iStock Photo at the time um, and still kind of wrapped up the Calgary book of everything and then activated a lot like my network to help me kind of pass off the, so my friend Melanie stepped up and took on the editing role um, at uh, Fast Forward, which she did an excellent job of. Um, but it's funny, like that, I forget that all the time, that there was a definite period in my life when I was very much in demand, um, and people wanted to work with me. Um, and so that, that book and that, even the book of everything was a recommendation from Ian Doig, who was an editor at Fast Forward and John McIntyre, who was doing the book of everything's called Ian said, do you know any local writers would be good at that? And Ian recommend me. Nice. And I mean, that was a long time ago, but at the same time, I'm kind of giving myself goosebumps remembering that, um, that I was, uh, really well regarded and sought after and did a really good work, um, in those, um, kinds of situations when the project was clear, when my objective was clear, um, and I had deadlines (laughs) and in those situations I could really thrive. I, I think, um, so that was the that was the number one, like kind of from back in the day that brought up, that came up. I'm sorry. Um, do you want me to kind of go through a few of them, or should I just? Yeah, no. I, I was just I was just really curious about like um like for example, I have entries in like I've written things. I am a musician. I do mm. improv performance, and and so I was just kind of curious, like because I know mm. obviously writing is sort of your main thing, and then filmmaking mm. as well. But I wasn't sure, um, kind of if there was other sides of you that I didn't know about, like if you'd painted or, or done visual arts or something like that. Mm. Well, the, the photography oh, yes, of has course. been coming up for me again. Um, and I'm really interested to listen to Ryan's podcast uh, because um, that was something that came up really strongly for me uh, when I was in New York in 2008. Um, and a friend lent me his like, sexy Nikon SLR with like all the lenses and everything. And I'd love that thing. I hated giving it back. Um, but when I came back to Calgary, I ended up getting myself a little Canon and, um, and I had some success with that too. I wasn't intending to become an editorial photographer, but, um, you know, I did uh, micro life essays for Swerve magazine and I shot Lilith fair for spin.com. And like, those were some pretty great opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's come up for me again of wanting to express myself that way. Uh, Ryan really inspired me uh, to want to. I'm going to rent a lens for. Uh, we have like our sort of family camera that just has a kit lens on it. It's a Nikon 
I think it's a Z5 or it's not the Z6. It's not the latest, but it's like one of the new mirrorless cameras. So mm-hmm. I, I want to play with that. Yeah. Um, and bring it back to where it started for me, which was play. Yes. Remember Flickr? I loved Flickr. Flickr was such a good site for me in that it was like really open at that time and really like it was all about creativity and community and it was before things got so wackadoodle. Um, I wish there was still something like that, but I don't think it exists anymore. Mm. I hate the way Flickr looks now. It looks like Facebook. Everything yeah. looks like Facebook. Ugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, like expressing myself visually uh, and, and now what's really emerging for me is sound. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, Osvaldo found his old Zoom recorder. So I'm I'm just been playing with that to learn how to how to play with soundscapes. Yeah. Um and the uh the other piece I think you do know this about me is like creating um creating literary events and like kind of like punk rock lit events. I used to do that. We have something to show you at the area in mm-hmm. Calgary. Um and then I also I actually shared, I don't know if I if you would have known about this one, but when I I was like I was in Vancouver about a year and there was an event called maybe it was two years the Rain City Chronicles mm. um, and they were spoken word events they would have it like big they, it was like a big hipstery type kind of thing there was like 200 people at this wow. huge venue in uh, East Vancouver and I got up and shared the story about the time that my first longtime boyfriend who was a painter painted me in the nude and what that felt like it's like yeah. the most vulnerable thing I could ever share and I'm looking out at all these like really stylish people going oh my god they hate me <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that um, was true but but yeah that was something that I did that uh yeah and what about you I'm sure there's all kinds of things that you haven't well yeah about so done. I was making my list um and yeah uh so music wise um I, I had I did my first live show in a band when I was 17 um, at wow. one of those all-ages community hall shows down at uh, the Multicultural Center. Um, that same So I, that year in AV class in high school, um, learned to use a four-track recorder. And I was doing all these kinds of, like, sound collages and just, like, fucking around with pedals that I'd borrowed from my friends, uh, like, guitar rigs and stuff like that. And just making, mm. like, you know, a very crude kind of experimental music, for lack of a better word. Um, mm. But I actually, uh, I, I sent a tape I did over to Paula, who did that show Noise, well, does that show Noise on CJSW, and she really mm. liked it. Um, and we ended up actually chatting on air one night, and she included the tape on her, like, year-end list, which was really funny, of, like, Calgary, notable Calgary releases. Um, nice. So that was really neat, and that was, you know, when I was just a kid. Um, and Mm -hmm. then in my 20s, I, uh, released three EPs with a band and toured Canada, one coast to the other, all the way, like, Victoria to Halifax. Um, I did another band after that that did a full-length album, and we didn't tour, but we played a lot of shows around Calgary. I released three Mm -hmm. CDs with a, or three EPs, excuse me, with a heavy metal band. I co-ran a label that put out five records for both bands I was in and other bands, um, I played with, uh, if you know that band Can, that German band from the 70s, um, mm. the, one of the singers, Damo Suzuki, uh, tours just as a vocalist and gets a different kind of collective of musicians from each city that he's going to to improvise with him. And so I was part of the, uh, the group that did that the first time he came to Calgary, so I got to, like, 
have a really beautiful meal, sit down with like him and all the other musicians that night and just wow. like, you know, sit with like, a, like literally a living legend and someone who was like so important nice. to me. And I just like, I completely forgot about that experience until I started making this list that like, yeah, mm. my fucking name was on the poster for that show and everything. Like that's, that's a big deal. Um, yes. So then, you know, like countless live performances across dozens of bands, you know, there was all these other bands that um, performed and wrote a batch of songs, but maybe never recorded or in a lot of cases did record, but just never released anything. So but those those count, you know, like people heard those songs, people clapped at the end of them. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And then like on the music front, kind of more recently, um, I've done uh late last year and at the start of this year five different uh cover songs or remixes for my friends uh podcast 155 pod where they talk about songs that they think are or aren't punk um and those have been really fun that's been a really interesting experience for me because music creation has always been as part of a collective unit i've never really kind mm. of um had for better or worse total control and just like what does my voice sound like? And so that's that's been similar to you talking about these kind of scoped out projects. That has been a really fun exercise for me um, creatively and productivity wise, because mm -hmm. I know that I have uh, 72 hours to do this. I know the song, everybody's going to be covering the same song, but the rest of it is up to me. Um, you know, all, all the other details I get to fill in. And, and that's been a really fun kind of exercise. Um, yeah, so... Mm. So that uh, was like, that's, that's just music. Like that's, that's just music. Um, yeah. You know, writing the same time you were kind of like freelancing in Calgary, I was doing the same thing. Um, I was copy editor at a monthly arts publication. I freelanced interviews and arts journalism. I did a long read for a magazine from the States about stand-up comedy around probably 2008 or something like that. Um, mm. I got to talk with Pusha T, one of my favorite rappers, about Bjork, one of my other favorite musicians. He had not <laughs> heard that, like, she had been talking about how his CD was, like, so great and how much she was enjoying it. So that was a really fun kind of, like, little, yeah, I, I, I won't forget that little nugget of conversation because it was, it was really, yes. uh, I was talking to somebody that, you know, was important to me and got to show them something novel when they're used to kind of like answering the same form questions on uh, mm -hmm. a phone or press junket day. Um, yeah. So yeah, like that kind of stuff that that's the writing front um, improv. You know, I started uh, in high school, we won the high school championships two years in a row. Nice. Uh, and then I took a long break, but you know, since starting again in 2016, I've been performing a lot in 2019 before the shutdown I did 26 shows that year. Um, wow. Yeah. And, you know, again, not huge audiences, but between between 20 and 50 people usually. Um, mm -hmm. I taught an adult class online uh, at the start of the year. I taught a high school class recently. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, like that's that's something where, um, yeah, it's it's that feeling of, of people kind of wanting a piece of you. I'm getting a little bit of that on a few fronts, but it hasn't been... Uh, I haven't had the kind of like live feedback element that I'm realizing gives me a lot of juice. Um, mm. And then the other one for me is kind of like pod slash broadcasting. Um, and mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought about that too much. Um, but, you know, uh, 2000, 
2000, 2001, I think 2001, um, when I was down in Lethbridge, you know, I did I did four shows a week on the college radio station uh, covering wow. really specific genres. Um, and that was a lot of fun for me. Um, uh, you know, I, when, since I started podcasting, which was around 2018, um, I did 19 episodes of a show called the Steven Tyler Book Club, where me and my friends Drew and Steven read Steven Tyler's horrible autobiography and just like talk <laughs> shit about him for an hour. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I did three episodes of Just Drew's show, which was the show that Drew started after that one ended, um, playing like basically his his uh, shitty boss character. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, I created in 2020 two podcasts that I did 26 episodes of. I did 14 episodes of my uh, improv podcast, Infinite Horizons Radio, which is like a parody of Coast to Coast AM, basically. And then I did mm. 14 or 12, excuse me, um, five minute episodes of a show called Meditation Morning, where I just basically improvised like a really half serious, is it joking, is it real um, guided meditation. And that was like a lot of, a lot of fun to, to kind of like riff on those and then figure out what the idea was at the core and then actually take the time to write like just a short five minute self-contained thing. Because I, I don't tend to think of, of creative projects in those kinds of really bite-sized pieces, but I think mm. that those work really well for me because it is, within the space of three hours, you can conceptualize and execute something before you kind of lose steam or lose interest in it. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's been really, uh, really good for me, this kind of um, way to express myself through through just talking, basically. And then of course, mm -hmm. uh, including this one that we're recording right now, this is number 27 of we done of this show. And that's just since January. That's crazy. That is so wild. You know, I was just thinking about that the other day, you know, because we, you know, we've now passed like what 6,000 streams, like it's just like growing and growing. Um, and that I love that you talk about, you know, even the shorter form podcast as being this kind of container where you can maintain your enthusiasm for it because it's not like this big unwieldy thing um, because there is very low barrier to doing it. Right. You know, like just getting like a little road mic and the setting up and, and, um, I love that about it. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, when I, when I moved to Vancouver and really thought that I was going to be pursuing film work and I was really passionate about it. Um, and I did, I was successful in, in, um, creating a short film, uh, worked with, um, with the, my producer, Melanie Jones, who's a, quite now a successful director, but she was trying her hand at producing and she mm -hmm. really helped keep me going. Um, but because I had undiagnosed ADHD at the time, there was a lot of elements and a lot of disparate things that happened with the making of a film that were really hard for me. And I didn't know how to navigate that. Um, the, the actual production, you know, the two days in our like 600 square foot sublet apartment in the West End uh, were both exhilarating and exhausting for me because I was in close proximity to people. Everyone was looking to me for all the answers um, and there was no time out. I didn't have that recovery time, and I, I know now that I need to build that into everything I do. Um, and so by the end of those two days, I was just, like, flat out. Um, and then, of course, post-production is a whole other thing that I didn't know how to navigate either. And I didn't have the budget. You know, we did a small Indiegogo campaign and were able to raise money to feed everybody and that kind of thing. But I couldn't pay people, and I didn't have any money for post. And so I kind of 
I lost the momentum. Um, but that doesn't mean I might, tr I wouldn't try again with the right folks around me to try and create something. Um, but this is what I really enjoy about podcasting though, is that, um, because, because we can build those breaks in because it's a kind of a limited time. It's like, okay, so we're going to record this for an hour. Um, and then it's just out there in the world. Um, and there isn't six months of, of, uh, editing and working with other people. And, um, so it, it really appeals to me. And so when I saw that, um, that post from the Canada council about the, the online radio project, um, that I sent to you, did you submit to that? Yep. I submitted two proposals for that one. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. So that, that got me really excited because I'm starting to get more interested in audio and I was starting to get more interested in audio when, when you reached out after I, you know, kind of like sprayed my ADHD diagnosis all over Instagram. Um, it, what I really like about it too, is that it like, you can hide emotion in voice. You can do it in words, right? Like you can, you can sort of rearrange quotes and you can set what somebody has said up in a certain way that can actually completely take it out of context. Mm -hmm. If you want to journalists quote journalists do that all the time. Um, but with audio, you can't, you can't, um, take the joy out of someone's voice or the sadness or the grief. And that's what I love about it. Um, and it, it fascinates me too, that I'm, I'm profoundly hard of hearing in my left ear. Um, and I hate the sound of my own voice, <laughs> but I, I love this, this form of storytelling. I love these, these ways of uh, connecting and the way that we can uh, talk to each other. And I got some feedback from somebody recently who said that, you know, they're, that they were listening to one of the episodes and they were like, at first they were like, man, would you just get to the point? And then they're like, oh no, this is actually what's so great about this. You're giving us a front row seat to what ADHD is exactly yes. like. <laughs> um, and I thought that was really great, wonderful feedback uh, that uh, that is so unique to this kind of, like you call it, like you called it pod slash broadcasting, podcasting slash broadcasting. Pod and broaden. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> um, and so it's so cool that I didn't realize that you had done that much work, like even back in the day and oh, CJSW. Oh, that gives me, that warms my heart. Oh, no, I, I didn't, I didn't DJ there. I DJed at, mm. at the time was CKUL. Now it's CKXU at the time, uh, mm. at the university of Lethbridge. Um, it was just mm. a cable FM station. So there was oh. very few, uh, 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 listeners or, um, you know, just kind of like people around because there's not, there's honestly not the appeal that there was to doing it at a place like CGSW because mm. there's not the audience and there's not the level of feedback that you get. But um, I was just like, oh, you're going to give me as much time as I want to, to play whatever mm. the fuck I want. Like, absolutely. I'm taking that. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was also thinking like you, you were featured on CGSW oh, right. too, yes, yes, yes. right? Um, like I've been interviewed a couple times there for different things. And CGSW was always to me like, oh, like more than anything else. I don't know. There's something, there's a lot of uh, amazing shows that used to be, that probably still is. CGSW is still going, right? Yeah. Um, and that's where, that's where people like Ian Chicklow came up through. Like he started there and then fast forward. And now I think he's like vice president of some production company or wow. something. I don't know. He's doing some cool shit out there in the world. Um, but yeah, the, um, just how we create and how, and like, I guess that's what I've really kind of like shifted this year for myself is like, 
I'm not as attached to this is how I put my thoughts into the world. This is how I put my creativity into the world. I think I've allowed it to be a bit more fluid. Um, that, uh, yeah, that uh, expression um, needs to kind of meet or be in the in 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 the right form uh, to really have its like full potential. Does that make sense? It's, yeah, know. it's 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 McLuhan basically. <laughs> <laughs> that that the form dictates the content to some degree and and the opposite should also be true right yeah like, like uh, if, yes. you, if you want to tell a certain kind of story if you want to tell a story with a lot of emotional resident resonance um mm. you know you can do that as as a writer um who is who is who is writing the story as like a feature piece and including interview quotes but mm. you can also do it in my opinion easier or at least a tool set that i would prefer would be to tell those stories through audio like you were talking about because you get so much more of the context and i feel uh, a relationship to the people in the story a lot more when you're actually hearing things it, it's it's less abstract than just words on a page attached to a name right yeah thank you i think that articulates it just perfectly actually so um when i saw about the um the program sound mm -hmm radio project uh, I you know I told you about it right away and then you know I submitted to like a short piece of what it's like for me with my hearing loss so people can hear that uh, what my my mornings sound like and then a project with my uh, younger half-sister who um, is 23 years younger than I am but we're kin we're definitely kindred spirits and you know she's she's moving here to do a master's in media and communications at, at UBC and um so we we recorded a quick thing to submit to it to we'll see, because um, we wanted to talk about how, like it's so strange. Her and I've never lived in the same city, mm. um, but she's my half sister, like through my dad, right? Um, and she grew up in outside of London in a town called Thamesford. Um, but it's 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 cool that we're we're she actually studied radio journalism at Fanshawe. That was her first degree, and then she went and got an undergrad. <laughs> A BA in um, history and political science, and now she's going to do a master's. So she's become like the smarty pants kind of <laughs> academic of the yeah. family. But it's going to be really cool to uh, to hopefully do that project with her. And if it's not that, then there's something else that we'll do together. Um, but yeah, the uh, you know how we kind of started this conversation, and this is sort of the root of it, is like forgetting all the foundational things that may have done that could lead to something that you might not even have imagined. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't have imagined in December that I would be doing this podcast with you. Yeah. It just wasn't even on my mind, right? Um, and and now here we are doing it, right? Yep. Uh, and, and, and I love that. I love that, that, you know, allowing the creativity to kind of flow where it will. Um, and collaboration, too. I think that that's a really cool um, part of it that maybe I hadn't considered as much. Mm. Like, um, that some of the best collaborations that I've had in my life have come out of nowhere. Right. Like I didn't know that we'd be doing this thing. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know that I'd be, you know, part of a writing group in Calgary that would lead to all kinds of wonderful things. Um, and yeah. And the, um, that spoken word thing that I did on new street, right? Like when I had people like Chris Demeanor get up, but like on the porch of like houses, like these old majestic houses on new street, just playing his music. And like Rosemary Griebel is like governor general award-winning poet, like lived on my street, man. Like and she had this beautiful house. She'd like get out and share poetry. Like that shit was amazing to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely 
want to see more of that. I love what we're doing here, though. Like, this has been such a illuminating and grounding experience for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really, um, reconnecting with you has helped me to kind of see myself in a bit of a different light, to process the ADHD discovery and all the challenges and everything that go with it in a, in a more public way than I would have thought. But it, it has really, it's been really helpful for me, like hugely helpful for me. And so every time somebody writes in or leaves us a, a voicemail talking about how it's helping them, I just like, I, I get covered in goosebumps, you know? It, it really means so much because that's what we started this for. It was so that I was thinking about something I said once where I want people to feel seen. And then you had said, but not everybody wants to feel seen. And then I realized it's more about being understood. Mm. Because seeing somebody doesn't mean you're going to understand them necessarily. Um, but understanding someone, feeling understood, I think, has more power to it. And just thinking that through as I'm talking. Yeah. But yeah, it's I'm glad thought. that you pointed that you pointed to that at one point. I was like, yeah, that's really important. Um feeling understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the last thing, so that that's actually a really good um kind of segue into what I wanted to talk about. Um mm. is so so the idea that I wanted to um, the, the idea that I had for myself as kind of both a creative exercise and a kind of um, accounting exercise of, of, of putting all this stuff together, writing all this stuff out. And then I was thinking about like, um, you know, like I was talking about up top ways to build structures and routines into me that uh, create or, or help cultivate a, a positive self-image or a more positive self-image for myself. And allow mm-hmm. me to value myself and, and the things that I do and the things that I'm capable of. Because it's, it's easy to forget that when you feel like you haven't had a win. And it's also easy to forget mm. about the wins, even if they've been like like less than two months ago. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So, so what I wanted to do is, um, well, heck, you're the industry person. Robbie, do you know what a sizzle reel is? Yes, I do. Tell, 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 tell the listeners about a sizzle reel. A sizzle reel would be kind of like a really short um, and uh, powerful uh, video, or it can be audio too, if I'm not mistaken, of all the different things that you've done. Like a, a sizzle reel is like meant to get people excited. It showcases your ability. Um, and it's kind of like a, a multimedia resume yes. in a way. But it has more resonance than, you know, a Word document with bullet points. Yes. That and makes sense? Absolutely. And, and specifically, mm. the context that I think of it in um, is effectively actors using it as a video resume, where it's like, mm. here's, here's a two-minute supercut of me acting my ass off in a bunch of different <laughs> contexts as a bunch of different characters. And, like, when people see that, it's like, oh, shit, this guy can act his ass off. And so, so I was thinking about the sizzle reel thing based off of, I made an offhand joke the other night about a sizzle reel. And then I was like, huh. And what I was thinking is that I, I'm going to invite you, I'm inviting myself and I'm inviting the listeners to sit down and take a little bit of time and put together a sizzle reel for yourself. Whether that is Mm. a, whether that, if you have access to actual media of something that you've been involved in, a performance of one of your bands, if you're a musician, uh, an acting performance, if that's a theater's your outlet, things like that, um, uh, then that's great. Uh, Screenshots of, of, of 
articles you've had published, whatever these things are, but basically actually gather up that media and put together as a Google PowerPoint slide, whatever it's called, Google Sheets, I forget, mm. um, as, as you know, if, if your thing is audio, maybe it's it's a, a sound cut. If you know about video editing and that's you have performance stuff, maybe you put together a little video. But basically, what I want to make for myself is something where when I'm really fucking feeling like I don't have any merit and I don't feel like I have a place in the world and I feel like no one understands me, I want to have something that I can I can like smash like that fire extinguisher axe or whatever it is mm. and, and 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 pull out and just and just no here is here here is 5 minutes of concrete examples of of you making a difference or or being interesting or being yourself being whatever that means mm -hmm. for you in the world and and something that i can pull out when i'm really feeling shitty and invalid and say no dum-dum <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's not how my inner monologue should go anyway but i'll excuse it yeah but, hey hey no pal like here here <laughs> is is a bunch of you know it's it's like no, I didn't shoplift that. And then somebody shows you the video of you sticking the candy bar in your pocket. I want, <laughs> I want the reverse of that of like, hey, uh, you know, my brain says, hey, uh, you know, you, you, you don't do anything. You, you've, you've been sitting around all week. And then, and, and that means you're, you're useless. And then uh, mm. the, the court pulls out that video of me being super entertaining or me bringing value to someone or me enriching people's lives or the world in some way and just let that kind of okay let's take let's take a minute and let's do some deep breathing and appreciate mm. yourself um and so yeah so so whether if you have media i think it's great to edit stuff from first-hand sources again to kind of have that outside perspective and that third-party validation i recognize is a big part of that for me and something that's missing in quarantine but even mm -hmm. if it's just if, if, if sound is your thing, even if it's just you literally reading off a list of the things that you've done, like Robbie and I just did, and I realized mm -hmm. that I completely forgot about another band that recorded and released two EPs. Um, and <laughs> so, so, so yeah, um, uh, even if it's just a list of uh, you reading back as an audio or a video, a list of all the things you've done and some things that you can be proud of, um, mm -hmm. I, I want to really invite people to sit down and have a think about where they feel that they bring value to themselves and others and put together put together that incontrovertible evidence that you as your own lawyer can slap down in front of your RSD and your self-doubt and your imposter syndrome and all this other shit and say actually here is exhibit A uh you know you're 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 fucking valid like Take mm. your seat, please. Uh, the court is in session. I, I will hear no further objections from my from uh, the defense client. Like all, right. the, all, all this, all this kind of shit. Case fucking closed. Open and shut. <laughs> Snap it. The Law and Order theme starts to play, and we hopefully usher those bad feelings out the door for a while. I'm just thinking about that television song. Right, this case is closed. Mm. <laughs> like right at the end. Um, I love that, Jordan. I think that's an amazing idea and a wonderful invitation and an empowering one, too. And I'm definitely going to do it. And I wanted to say further to that, that if you do decide to do it over sound in some way and you want to share that, whatever that finished product looks like, or if you just want to riff, feel free to do that into the voicemail. Um, let us know up top if you don't want 
us to share that as part of a mini-sode, but you just want us to hear it um, and to kind of like, yeah, to be seen, put it out into the world and know that someone other than you has taken that in. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, if, if you want to share um, your, whatever your sizzle reels look like, if you want to share those on the voicemail, I think that that would be a really uh, interesting thing to, to get a lens into is, is how other people motivate themselves and mm -hmm. how, and, and other people's like, honestly, yard long lists of accomplishments. And that's something that we've talked about with, uh, listeners over email before is like, yeah, I don't give myself credit for my fucking 20 year resume of like <laughs> creative arts or whatever. Like, and, yeah. and that, that, that's literally me right now is I have, I have literally a 20 plus year resume of, of creative performance and I don't give myself a fucking lick of credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that just like, it kills me to hear you say that, but yeah, it's like that, like I knew that even when we worked together at I Stuff Photo, I was like, Jordan's rad. He's done all kinds of cool shit, you know, like, and you were young back then too. And you already <laughs> had like, so like in my mind, like such an impressive list of accomplishments. Right. So yeah, it's so true that we don't give ourselves nearly enough credit, um, for the things that we've done in the world. And, um, I think this is such a fantastic and exciting way to, to kind of have that evidence. Like, so like when you're in a downward spiral and you're feeling shitty and like, you've never accomplished anything, you can go, aha, not so fast, sister, mister. So yeah, just like Robbie, hmm. you're, you're valid. You're, you're such a creative and interesting, smart person. And look at, look at the fucking list of stuff that you've done and the, the list of stuff that you're continuing to do right now, as we're talking, you're continuing to, to create cultural products that are resonating with people. We're doing that. Nobody mm -hmm. can take that away from us. Exactly. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you for, um, creating the space to do this and for this particular, um, way of looking at it, I think is really powerful. Yeah. And like everything that you've done and you continue to do inspires me all the time. So thank you for those, you know, for you, for, um, for, for reaching out to start this thing and for everything that you've put out into the world that continues to resonate for people. Like it is so important. Yeah. To acknowledge that. Yeah. Thank you. Yay, Jordan Lee. Yay, Robbie McDonald. <laughs> um, one, one other thing I wanted to say, uh, was that, um, yeah, obviously a lot of this is, is for myself, but just like you hear songwriters talk about, they wrote the songs that they needed to hear. Um, mm. I really think that, that this is a good example of, um, or, or can hopefully be a good example of us kind of modeling a positive coping strategy, but more than mm. that also, I feel like what we're doing on this podcast a little bit more broadly is we're modeling what a friendship can look like. Um, mm. we're, we're, a lot of people have friends, but they don't necessarily still feel like they have anyone to talk to. And, and mm. so it's, it's awkward, but it's important to find those people in your life that you can open up to. And I think that, that people mm -hmm. often discount friendships, um, uh, you know, for, for not wanting to kind of lay their problems on other people and that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that, that it's a good model for um, helping each other through things while still being able to keep distance and not take on each other's problems, but just that mm -hmm. it is, it is healthy to talk about this stuff. And, and I think that it's, it's cool that we get a chance to 
um, you know, model that kind of stuff for people um, who, who maybe don't feel like they have a friendship that can look the way ours does. Hmm. Yeah. And thanks for pointing to that as well. Cause I think that is important that people feel like, Oh, I don't want to burden somebody, but especially when you have a shared experience or a shared challenge, it's really important to have that support um, that can be in tandem with other supports, you know, like a clinical support and medical support and things that are also a big part of this, the ADHD, um, what do you call that? Not a mosaic tapestry. Mm. Yeah. Tapestry, right? Like that there's, there's, there is no one size fits all for this and that having, you know, folks that you can talk to in a friendly way in a creative way is part of it, but that, you know, um, medical professionals and, and everything else that goes with it, um, is also a big part of it. I like that you mentioned that modeling it. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, great chat today, Robbie. Thank you. So good. Thank you, Jordan. This was really great. Um, Always amazing to connect with you. And now I've got some homework. (laughs) Get get that scissor reel going. Me too. Just wanted to say a quick thank you to Brianna and Paige, uh, who have become our first two patrons on Patreon.com. So thank you so much to Brianna and Paige. Uh, the support means more than you'll ever know. It's it's really, really great to, to get that validation that people think, hey, these guys are really kind of putting themselves out there. And I think that that's worth a small sum of my money. So yeah, really can't say uh, how much that means. Thank you so much, Brianna and Paige. Yeah, thank you so much, both of you. This really, like, I, I, I wept a little bit because <laughs> it really, it really means a lot to us. So thank you so much for uh, for listening and supporting, and um, yeah, really, really grateful over here. And of course, if you would like to become the third musketeer, uh, you can <laughs> become a patron over at Patreon.com/slash. Holy shit, I have ADHD. If you enjoyed Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media. A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at guessed it holy shit i have adhd at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes bye for now and hyper focus on the positive